So it is Monday night, as we do each and every Monday at this time. Time for What's Involved. My special guest in studio tonight, uh, Ross Saunders. Hello, Ross. Hello. Good to have you with us. It's, let me tell you a little bit about Ross. Uh, Ross uh, has uh, is the owner of uh, Ross Saunders Consulting, also the uh, president of the Professional Speakers Association of South Africa. Um, but his passion... What he lives for is data protection and data privacy. That's the one. So we're going to try and marry those two together during the course of tonight's discussion um, because I, I must say I'm fascinated. We were telling a bit off air. Um, I'm fascinated about both aspects of, of what you do. Um, and the first question would, that would spring to my mind is how do you manage it all? <laughs> How do I manage which part of it? <laughs> All of it. I mean, it's not like you've chosen, you know, something that's quiet and doesn't take up a lot of your time. I mean, you're busy no, a that's lot. that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, it takes up a lot of time and it's not showing any signs of abating because I think if we look at the landscape of these attacks that we're seeing out there on, on hacking, but also the legislation that's out there that's come into play now in Europe and in South Africa, well, what's coming into play in South Africa things are going to get a lot more crazy um, and people need to comply with these these laws and try and protect people's information. It's it's a, it's the Wild West. It certainly is a, a, a hectic kind of thing. But let's start off right at the very beginning. Tell me a little bit about Ross. I mean, Joburg, born and bred. Where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Did you study? What did you study? Ah, so Benoni, born and bred. You're uh, Benoni boy as I well. I am, yes. <laughs> Represent us Benoni people got to stick together. Yeah, Willamore High. <laughs> Did you, were you a Willamore High guy? I was, yeah. Okay, a mate of mine was actually a teacher at, uh, at Willamore High. Oh, uh, okay. Timothy Keyes. He now owns the Sales Institute, but he used to teach there. Oh, wow. Oh, so, yeah, Willamore. Yeah, we, that was, we used to get along because I was, I was a Wordsworth High boy. Oh, okay. So, we, Willamore and us, we got along. But yeah, the rest yeah. of the schools in the Benoni, we didn't like them so much. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, <laughs> I think you were there a little bit after my time. Yeah. I think <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just a little more. Um, I don't like saying old these days. I'm gonna, I'm gonna refer to computer game technology. I, I think I've leveled up a bit more than you have. <laughs> um, so, so Willamore High then? Yeah. So then I went straight into work. Mm-hmm. Um, when I left school, I ran my own little IT company, servicing the businesses around Benoni. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually went into the working world. Uh, I dove straight in with both feet. Looking at the IT space, for throughout high school and all of that, I was playing games and fixing computers and helping people out. So it became sort of a natural career progression. Okay. Um, and then I went through all the different sides of the IT field. I think I started on the call desk and then I ended up in networking. And then from networking, decided to study software and loved it in college and absolutely despised programming in the real world. Really? Yeah, no. It, it was great doing my own projects. It was terrible having to maintain other people's projects. Okay. Yeah, so uh, that all eventually went into a management career. So it moved into managing development teams and IT teams, things like that, which being in that sort of position kind of puts you square in the information security space where you've got to look after people's information because now suddenly you realize how much information an organization has and you have to start looking after it. So over the last seven years or so, I've had that as a dual role, um, looking after info in these different software companies and things like that, which has kind of shaped where I, where I am now. Uh, and also 
living through a couple of data breaches and also having my identity stolen, it, it, it sits close to home. That is the bit that fascinated me when we got talking is, is that because you hear about it, you hear about identity theft, you hear about this, that and the next thing, but seldom, I mean, I've certainly never met anybody that's gone, listen, they, they literally stole my ID. And, and I mean, I've read horror stories about, about what happens. Um, so let's, let's, let's just sort of draw the picture for, for people that are listening this evening. Um, when you talk data privacy and data protection, um, if we think about it as your average Joe Soap, we think, okay, I need to make sure that, you know, I've got an antivirus and I don't get hacked and, you know, stay off dodgy websites. Are you listening? Stay off dodgy websites. Um, and it, it's, but it's far greater than that. And I don't think the South African public in general is as aware of it as they should be because we just happily send out information all over the place and trust that it's all going to be okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's the crazy case about it is we hand over information really willingly uh, to companies and companies also really willingly take information yeah. um, and you know overseas there's been this whole drive with these new laws that are out that that's stopping companies from doing that and, and they need to start handling data responsibly uh, but over here I think because we haven't had the I mean we've got our laws they drafted they just aren't um, signed in yet uh, but we don't have enough awareness uh, as the public or as business. Because there is that, and I've seen now like on several websites now that the, the European Union, you have to now comply to X, Y, and Z. And yeah, the GDPR. GDPR, there we go. Yeah, my favorite four-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> Might become mine. We're going to have to see how the rest <laughs> of tonight goes. Um, but... We, you know, as I said, we, 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 we sort of, we share our data quite, uh, now, let's, let's talk a little bit about your experience, what happened, I mean, it, it sounds horrifying if you say somebody stole your identity. Yeah, well, it, it was the strangest thing realizing it, um, it was a Saturday morning in, in December, and I rolled over with an SMS on my phone, and there was a transaction on my bank account for something or somewhere that I don't actually have an account. And I kind of blew it off as, you know, maybe this was a false SMS or something like that. And then the SMSs keep, kept coming. Yeah. And eventually decided, let me log into internet banking and see what's going on. And my account was bone dry. And there were cell phone accounts and tablets and computers and laptops and all sorts of stuff that had just randomly been purchased. And these are all the deb debit orders coming off now. But now then, the, the, the first thing that somebody's going to say is, well, then obviously, you know, did you check the credit card? Did somebody not steal your credit card? Well, that, that was it. Um, I, I did the responsible thing and phoned the number at the bottom of the SMS to contact the bank. And th they actually said as well, you know, if, if it was a credit card fraud, it would be easy to reverse and someone could have skimmed the card. But this was debit order. So they needed proof of residence. They needed pay slips, IDs, all that usual fun stuff that you have when you take out a contract somewhere. Yeah. So... All of these were out there. My address ended up being some field just outside Whitbank that they'd fraudulently done a multi-choice statement for. Um, the, the scary thing, though, was the ID book because there was an actual green ID book with a different photograph in it. And um, You are kidding me. No, that's what they did. And it, I've never lost an ID. Uh, I've never lost my ID. I've never misplaced it for any amount of time. So it was quite crazy 
seeing this level of detail. Somebody stole your life. Yeah, well, they tried. Yeah. Um, thankfully, the, there's a number of places where you can go in South Africa that they stop that. Uh, yeah. South African fraud prevention services being one of them. Mm-hmm. But it was a it was a harrowing experience and took about two years to get my credit rating back and um, many months to stop the debit orders going off. And uh, I still have some repercussions from it today. That is. And, and, I mean, did they ever catch those responsible? No, no, no. But I, I do have the photo from the ID book, so if I, if I do see someone that looks similar, I will ask a question. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, no one was caught. Uh, and it looks like what potentially caused it was a number of years earlier, um, one of my payslips got out there. And I don't know if that was from a company being irresponsible and throwing away the payslips without shredding them or, or how this got out there. But the payslip was the sort of common denominator which had all the information on it, like my banking details and ID number and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was that core little piece of information that a whole profile for me and my identity could be built off. It's, it's, it, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm literally, it must be a scary sight because I'm sitting here with my mouth open. I mean, wow. And, and it's not an isolated case. It wasn't just... You know, poor Ross, wrong time, wrong place. This happens a lot. This happens a lot. And in South Africa particularly, we're, we're way up there on the scales of, of most prevalent for yeah. this to happen. So it, it happens all the time. And there, there are syndicates out there. There are scary things like dumpster diving where people will go look for paperwork um, because they'll get paid a lot more handsomely than the recycling pay- yeah. places will pay. This is scary stuff. We are chatting to uh, Ross Saunders and we're talking about data protection, data privacy. Um, it's something very close to his heart, as you've just heard. Um, but uh, Ross does a lot more about that and we're going to get into that and we're going to find out what you can do and maybe, maybe you're going to be sitting there and if you're a business owner, you're going to think, whoops, I need to have a chat to Ross at some stage. It is what's involved this Monday night. We'll be back in just a bit. My special guest in studio tonight, we are chatting to Ross Saunders um, and uh, we're talking data privacy, data protection. I'm, I'm still kind of getting over the fact that they were, they got your, 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 your identity right down to the little green book. I mean... And now we've got the, the new ones, the cards. I mean, I don't know what that's going to entail. Hopefully they're safer. I, I would imagine those cards are a lot safer. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm quite a fan of the way technology is advancing. And if it's, if it's an actual encrypted card, I'm, I'm a lot happier because your ID card is, there, are, there is electronics in it and, and yeah. RFID capabilities. So. Okay. Now, now, we, now we're talking data protection. Off, off air, it, just, it suddenly struck me. Um, you know, I'm, I've got t- t- literally we're a tiny, tiny little company. Uh, we do have a website. We have mailing lists. Uh, there's a couple of products that people are able to purchase online. Um, that now means in terms of these, these new acts and legislations and everything, um, I have a responsibility then, do I not, to make sure that um, I don't just sort of add people willy-nilly. And, and I, th- th- Explain how this whole thing is going to work. Yeah, so within the legislations, and and most of the legislation is fairly similar across each other. So they all they all stem from the same sort of privacy recommendations that came around after the last World War, mm-hmm. um, and the principles that we look at today are generally based off those. So the South African principles in Poppy are are around that uh, GDPR. They've 
advanced them a little bit for the more digital age now, uh, and there's six conditions under GDPR. But in general, the same principles are used, and and it's it's principles of, of sort of good governance and and saying no, I'm not going to use too much information, I'm not going to take too much, but these principles apply to anyone who has a business now. So if they're they're got a mailing list, got a marketing list, or anything, it, it applies to them. Um, and failure to comply to that does also come with a hefty price tag. Um, you might get as small as a slap on the wrist, but the fines go into the millions as well. So, so South African businesses, where do you focus? You focus mainly corporate? Mainly corporate, but uh, your sort of smaller enterprise up to about 200 people yeah. in the company. Uh, generally, your bigger companies have departments for this. The banks have been doing this for ages. The insurance companies have been doing this for ages. Um, but smaller businesses don't generally know that they have to comply with these things. And the crazy thing is if you, as you say, have your website and you've got a few products on it, if you so much as put pricing in euro, you're seen as targeting the European market. Therefore, the European law applies to you. And our local wow. regulator has already confirmed absolutely that you can get fined by the European um, legislation as well as the South African legislation if it is seen that the European one applies to you. So if you've got anything online at the moment, uh, you, you, you should be turning your radio up around about now because this is, this is scary. So what do we do as a, you know, I mean, from, from, from the small businessman like myself uh, up to the bigger guys, where would we start? What do we need to look at? So one of the dangerous things that, that seems to come across a lot, and perhaps it's a lot of marketing on these computer hardware providers and firewall providers and things like that, is that a lot of people see it almost as an IT department's problem um, and that IT should sort it out. But the laws are a lot broader than that. Uh, so those principles that I was talking about, those eight principles, IT fits into one of those eight. Okay. So about an eighth of it is your IT side. Yeah. But what you can do as a business is a lot of these things are actually just good business governance. So if you have your policies mapped out, if you know where you store data, if you centralize all your storage so you don't have folders lying all over the show, one in Google Drive and one in Apple iCloud and all of that, and you actually keep things centralized, you're already a good way along there. But you want you want to really document what you're doing it's a it's a case of he with the most paperwork wins so yeah. if something goes wrong the regulator can come to you and say well why did this data disappear from your office and you can say well it should never have here's all our policies here's our procedures here's how we manage data this is how we comply with those principles but now this this i'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this because this is a big thing i mean so let's let's Give it an example of a company. Who would who would have my data? I mean, okay, banks and insurance companies, they they would have my data. Yes. Um, but but who else would, would would potentially have data that I would, as a consumer, would go? Are you guys looking after this? Yeah. So I mean, your your banks and them are are, are pretty good at looking after it. Yeah. Um, but you have market research companies. You have. Um, State agencies, you have brokers. You, I mean, if, if you just think of um, if you're applying for medical aid, yeah. yes, the medical aids have great controls in place, but generally you'll be going through a broker. Does your broker have controls in place? Um, do they have everything 
they need to be looking after your data. There's there's a whole bunch of sort of middlemen mm. in these data chains which you don't really realize are are are, are gathering your data. Yeah. And part of these laws refer to those that they refer, refer to three different levels where it is the person who the data belongs to, the company who is saying what to do with the data, and the company that is actually processing the data, because often those are separate. Uh, and we may not realize that as the end consumer. But I think as well, we've, we've become so sort of conditioned to this digital age. Um, we don't think of data outside of digitally, but it is because using the, the, the broker and the medical aid thing, I mean, you fill out a form, um, then generally it gets scanned or uh, mailed or something. But often I've done it before. I've had a broker. I've sat and filled everything out in front of him and he takes my little folder and off they go. Um, you don't think of that as data because it, it it's not the way we folk, but that is. Yeah, it's not the end point. But yeah. it, it is definitely there. By virtue of writing something down on a post-it note, you, you've generated data. Um, and I, I mean, we, we've seen it with brokers before where we've had to have words with them in a mug and bean yeah. because we've watched someone take all this information, provide a proposal, someone didn't take it, they just tore it in half and threw it in the bin. Anyone can come across that paperwork in the bin and reassemble it. And then start the process of stealing somebody's identity. Yeah. And I mean, I know, I know you sort of, you, you, you spoke about it earlier, but you almost glossed over it because I can only imagine what sort of trauma and and just the hassle factor you must have gone through oh it's 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 it, it gives you a new definition of patience yeah. <laughs> because now you've got all these new accounts that have taken out people have bought furniture in your name and all that and now you've got to go through to every single one of these providers and get them to reverse the transaction and go this me is not me yeah so now you've got that balancing act where you've got to prove who you are now that you're not you. Yeah. Uh, and then following on from that, because of all these debit orders and things like that, you've got to repair your credit rating. And that's six weeks per credit bureau per account that goes out. Which and then also, I mean, there could be all sorts of stuff that doesn't happen. Your next thing you found out you've got a judgment against you. Oh, there's there's so many crazy accidental things that happen. One of the, it, it, Well, it's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time. Yeah. Um, but what happens is the companies where these accounts get taken out, they need to then contact um, the service providers and uh, well the um, South African Fraud Prevention Services and say who was the victim and who was the perpetrator. When they get that mixed up, it makes for a very very interesting conversation in the bank. Ooh. So I, I, I was <laughs> kudos to the bank detained in the bank for a couple of hours while we were waiting for this to be sorted out because one of the places accidentally put me as a perpetrator. Yowza. Now, okay, so so let's talk now in terms of what what we need to do as a business. You've t you've spoken about um, how you document everything, and as you were going, you know, Google Drive and iCloud and everything. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm one of those people. I have stuff on Google Drive and on iCloud. Um, what else? What do we What do we need to? So you can have stuff in Google Drive and iCloud and all of that. They they are thank you, Ross. They are good services, but. <laughs> Have your front gate secured. Yeah. Um, have a good password. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the biggest sort of hacks and breaches that happens in companies now, and, and it seems to be absolutely on the upswing. I was speaking to a colleague in the UK the other day. He's dealing with four of these a week 
where these phishing emails got, and we've all heard about phishing, don't enter your credentials and, uh, and all of that. Yes, yes, we have. They, they, there's some coming through now that actually have good spelling and look legitimate and, and, and mm. are very, very likely to fool you. Now, if you have a weak password and you've used the same password for all your services, the first thing that that perpetrator is going to do is go and try that password on your email account. And if he gets into your email account, he can go and reset your password for all your other services like Amazon or Take A Lot or things like that, and then take over your accounts from that point. So having good passwords is probably your hygiene 101. Mm -hmm. um, and we have, it's, it's prevalent in almost every service now, something called two-factor authentication, yes. which will give you a SMS with six digits that you have to put in after your password's been put in, mm. and that sits on your phone. Yes. So it has to be you signing in, and that, that's mm. a fantastic defense that everyone overlooks, um, and it's very easy to implement from almost any of these services. And there's a great app called Authy where it just sets it up for you beautifully every time. Authy. Yeah. A-U-A-U-T-H-Y. A-U-T-H-Y. So go check that out. Okay, so now, okay, I'm not, my passwords are okay. Um, in terms of paperwork around the office, though, that also obviously has to get looked after. Digitized. Uh, is it, I mean, wow. Suddenly you're making me nervous now. I'm going, oh, you know, don't just shred all of your papers and throw them in the dustbin. Is it, can it get that bad? Yes. Well, so part of the laws is that you have to dispose of paperwork that's not needed or any data that's not needed anymore. Yeah. So if you're retaining paperwork and things like that for clients that aren't your clients anymore, um, the information that's not required by another act like the Income Tax Act or um, Conditions of Employment or Companies Act or anything like that, you actually have to get rid of that information. Now, when you're getting rid of it, you have to also do that securely. So part of the principles of these laws uh, if you look at puppy it's got um, limitation of what you take so only taking the information you need um, and then you've got to have security safeguards so that would be if in the case of paperwork even something like a locking credenza where you can put that paperwork into and actually lock it mm -hmm. that becomes a security safeguard so a lot of these things are actually fairly simple to implement. Um, if you've got information that's desperately sensitive, like medical information and um, what we call special personal information, so race and um, trade union membership, political party membership, sexuality, that's got to be really locked down. Uh, anything that could have really um, been used to discriminate against someone is generally seen as, a, as special information and that should be secured even more so. Okay. So... so as, as a consumer, password on my computer, um, change the passwords. Yeah. I, st I started doing that and, and changing my passwords and, and changing them up because um, I did. I always used just one password. And then very similar, found out that uh, people that uh, I knew that knew my password were just quietly logging onto various of my software services, which I was dutifully paying for every month. Yes, that, and, that, and they that were just a lot. quietly using it. Then the problem was uh, I, I, I kind of had so many different passwords, I couldn't remember it. So now I've got an app yes. that remembers the passwords 
and all I have to do is remember the one password. Yes, that that, that <laughs> was the next thing I was going to suggest. Um, these these apps that look after your password, like LastPass or One Password, are mm. fantastic. It's a different way of doing things, and it takes you probably about a week or two to get into the groove of of using this new way of entering passwords. Mm. Once you're into it, it, it's great. I I mean, I work in the space, so I have a lot of passwords. I've got probably over 600 passwords, but I don't know any of them, really. They are yeah. 24 digits long with all sorts of characters and letters, but I let one password manage it, and if anything gets breached, only that service is breached. Yeah. Uh, I've got nothing to worry about on my other services. I, and also, by the way, and I, I'm sure you you do know this, and it's I'm just saying something that's common sense, but don't use like simple passwords. Like if your little pet's name is Fluffy, let's not make Fluffy your password, okay? Uh, we're chatting to Ross Saunders. We'll be back finding out more about what you as a company need to do and uh, maybe, you know, what, what steps we should take. Maybe I need to, you know, for my business, for example, your business maybe. Maybe you need to get hold of somebody like Ross and go, please, come in, let's consult and help me. Uh, we'll be back in just a bit. I'm starting to be wishing uh, that a lot of things are well right now. Um, if, you, if you hear sort of crazy rantings and mutterings and everything online at like 2 o'clock tomorrow morning, it'll be me trying to furiously make sure my data is all protected. <laughs> it's scary. Um, but we got to talk about it because um, I got to talk about it. I have a responsibility to my customer. Yeah, um, so. But the places where I'm a customer have a responsibility to me. Absolutely. So we, we, we sort of said, what do we do as a, as, a, as a private individual? And it's to become more aware, your passwords, et cetera, et cetera. But from a company perspective, um, what, what should companies be doing? Because... I can see that this is going to be, you're going to have to clone yourself um, because I can see this is going to be something where people are going to be looking at people like yourselves and going, okay, we're up the creek. We don't have a paddle. Help. What should, where should we start? Is there an audit or something? It, it's really broad. Um, audit wise, you know, most of these laws allow for a certification method mechanism, uh, but it's so new that there aren't really any in at the moment. And there's new standards coming out. So ISO is releasing standards for privacy, but we, we're still yet to see what are going to be fully approved and ratified by the different regulators. But that being said, there's a lot of things you can do already that'll be quick wins or, or get you on track with these legislations. Okay. So you have these principles that you have to adhere to. Uh, three of the main ones being you need to um, state what you're doing with people's data, not take more data than you should be, and then not using that data for something that you haven't said you're going to use it for. Mm -hmm. And those three tie very much into a privacy policy. So you would have seen on a lot of websites and things, particularly European websites last year, May, you yes. would have got this flood in your inbox of we've updated our privacy policy. And yes. that was one of those big things that had to be in place. And that, that is really a declaration as a company that this is what we're going to do with data. This is why we do it, how we do it. And it, it needs to be detailed enough so that people can make a, 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 an yeah. informed decision. Okay. Um, that's that's very much on the policy side and the public facing side, but inside your company, there's a whole bunch of things that you can do as well. Um, and on the tech side, one of the biggest risks you face, and I mean, we see this all the time uh, where people get their cars remote jammed and their yeah. laptop goes missing out the boot. Uh -huh. 
that is seen as a data breach because there was data on that laptop can, that can then be taken off. And people don't mm. see that as, as more than an insurance claim, but it's actually a data breach. It, yeah, literally, yes. I just said, oh, my soul. Okay. So <laughs> to prevent that, um, most enterprise operating systems um, or there are tools available if you don't have an enterprise operating system, but you can encrypt your hard drive on a laptop. Mm -hmm. And that makes it so that if someone removes your laptop or something like that and they don't have your password, that hard drive becomes useless. Yeah. Um, again, if your password is fluffy, please don't have your password as fluffy. <laughs> it's not going to help your encryption any. <laughs> or tape uh, your password to the underside oh, of your yes. laptop. I've seen that. I've seen, I've seen that many that times. Done, yeah. <laughs> Post-it notes all over the office. <laughs> um, whiteboards with the password written on it. Yes. Um, but you want to encrypt your laptops because that way, if they get stolen, it, it's not seen as a material thing. But you need to look at the data in your office. I mean, if you want to scare yourself, um, go and stand in the middle of your open plan office and just look around and do a 360 degrees as to what information is lying where, what's in which cupboards, what kind of information is on them. And I, I guarantee you, you'll be terrified because people have a tendency to clean up a desk and shove everything into one big pile in a uh -huh. cupboard or in a drawer. And that could have um, medical aid applications from HR or it could be your supplier's financial information. It could be banking details for someone. It, it's amazing how we shove paper around without taking into consideration what's there. Which is, you know, why in the old days we always used to talk about the paper trail and, and mm. make sure. And then we kind of, when we digital and that stuff, we kind of forgot about the paper trail because, you know, meh, everything's fine. Um, so we, we, we're looking at this... And, and smaller to mid-sized companies like myself, um, is, it, is it then worthwhile to sort of sit aside and, and go and do some research, maybe talk to somebody like you, and then put it into your company policies and procedures? Absolutely. And, so and get it to become like part of the culture. Yeah. So there's no time like the present. Um, Poppy, Papia, as it's now known, is, is coming. Uh, yeah. We don't know exactly when and what day it's going to come, but but it is coming, and then they give you a grace period. But it is so broad that it's difficult to make that grace period, even if, even if it's a year. Now, with that coming and with GDPR already being in play, and you may need to comply there already, it's actually vital that you educate yourself on it. Um, the, these laws are here to stay, and people need to know what to do. So there are training courses out there. Uh, I host a brunch that I take people through for a morning what all the laws and legislations are about. But Fantastic. There's yes. so many things you can do to well, learn more. We need to, we need to talk more about that. And we're going to in a bit. But how do you then find the time with all of this? Because let's talk about the Professional Speakers Association. Because in and of itself, that's a full-time job in my head. Um, and, and what you do in terms of the data privacy, that's another full-time job. Yeah, so... With how? I have an incredibly strong team around me in, in the PSASA, mm -hmm. um, which makes for a, a real helping hand there. Uh, but also, I think if, if things are really important to you, you make time for them. Yeah. Uh, I'm not one to sit in front of the TV or anything like that. Um, so I, by day, I'm doing data, and by night, helping with the PSA. Uh-huh. Um, 
but it, it's it's a fantastic association for professional speakers. So, what is and I mean, I look at you now. I mean, you've got all of this experience. You talk data privacy and you know protection privacy. So you have this this depth and breadth of knowledge. Um, and I think, just explain to me what a professional speaker would then do. Are you you somebody who would go out? to a company and you would give a presentation based on your field of expertise. Yes, so, so that's one aspect of it. Um, I think it's, it, we can take it a lot broader and you can define a professional speaker as anyone who speaks as a profession or is aspiring to speak as a profession. Yeah. So yourself on radio, uh, where we have voiceover artists, we have keynoters, we have motivational speakers, inspirational speakers, business speakers, subject matter experts, all these ranges of people all fall under that umbrella of professional speaker. Okay. Um, and within the association, we have two differentiations between members of associate members and professional members, where your professional members are drawing the majority of their income from speaking or speaking related things like training or keynotes. Um, and then the associate membership is for people who are perhaps aspiring to get their um, to that professional level or are still in corporate but love speaking and, and, and that side of things. Because I think it's it's great and, and let me just allay any sort of misconceptions you may have. It sounds very romantic. I am a speaker. I am a professional speaker. It does sound romantic and then you hear people throwing around, they talk for an hour or half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever the case may be, and get paid stupid money, and then they wander off into the sunset. Um, it's not always like that, and you need to put in a lot of hard work. Um, I take my hat off to anybody who makes a full-time living speaking, because, you know, the, 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 the idea of old Tim Ferriss's, you know, couple of days work week it doesn't happen if you're a speaker i think i think it's it contributes to some serious health issues because you stress so much um why would somebody then join an association because at the moment i don't know you know you're closer to this than me but i mean it seems like every second person you come across is a speaker these days so there's a couple of things to take out of that and you're very right so what you see on stage is about 10 percent of what actually happens behind the scenes there's so much training that goes into it yeah. um, and I think with an association it's you know you're the sum of the people you keep company with mm -hmm. and what better place to keep company than with folks that are speaking professionally there everyone has different styles everyone has different ways of doing things and as an association we focus on the business of speaking so we are not there to introduce you to public speaking kind of thing we're there to say you know you want to make a living out of this let, let's start looking at this so we'll have events where we talk about business models for speakers or online training how you get into that space and it, it, it gets a lot more nitty-gritty but it's also the folks you surround yourself with i mean you had billy Silicone on your um, a few weeks ago. Billy for president, by the way. Absolutely. I'm the first one behind that. Yeah, I, what an amazing man. Yeah. yeah, so he's one of our past presidents. He's got uh, multiple awards from the association. Um, mm. and, and those are the kind of people you interact with at these meetings. And I, I remember one of the speakers, Paul Detroit, I've got books of his, and my mom gave me his book when I was leaving school and, and yeah. like, learned to present and things like that. 
and then to suddenly be sitting at a dinner table with Paul yeah. um, was terrifying but awesome. And you realize that all these people are there to help each other. Um, yeah. I've never had it in the association in it, where someone has been snooty or anything like that. It's like people are there by virtue to help each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Does it lend a certain sense of credibility if you're a member of the association in terms of you getting to get speaking because you're not and let's be very clear you're you're, you're not a speaker bureau you don't no, you, no you, we are you, not you a bureau we don't book speakers book speakers like i was going to use other words okay so you don't book speakers at all you're yeah. not a bureau but um it must have some some credibility surely so one of the things you have to do in order to be one of our members is sign a code of ethics and that code of ethics details how you handle your business dealings it's how you operate on stage the quality of presentation that you're going to give it it brings in all of these aspects which really i think does add to your credibility Mm -hmm. Uh, because as you say there are speakers everywhere some someone who has emceed at a wedding is a speaker and that's not to say they can't be but there is a certain level in an industry that you need to have that professionalism and we're there to promote that and we're there to help people get that as well. Yeah, I was I was laughing just now because um, I often get told that uh, because I, I love doing what I do so much, I would emcee the opening of a fridge door if I could. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I do. I do like it. I do like it a lot. Um, but it's 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 a... It's a difficult game, but now let, let's say somebody's now listening and they go, okay, well, Ross, you, you got it made. I mean, you're doing data privacy protection, right time, right place. You're now the, 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 the president. So it's easy for you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a business person. Maybe, I don't know, let's pick something, finance. I'm, I'm, I'm an I'm a FD uh, or something, and I believe I've got something to share. Um, where would I start? Do, is this something where, you, I mean, you've been this route, so you would know. Would you start with something like Toastmasters? Is it advisable? Yeah, well, so uh, Toastmasters and PSAIC operating in sort of parallel with each other. Yeah. So Toastmasters has fantastic programs and courses that you can do on public speaking. So you can get graded and you get a lot of um, feedback mm. from the room and it, it really builds how you speak. Yes. Um, and then there's on our space which is how you want to make a business out of it and how you want to get into that side yeah. so I think the two are very complementary to each other because I mean I'll, and I'll be honest with you I've seen some people who are now being touted as professional speakers and uh, they may have done something interesting in the past um, but they get on stage and, and yes they may have achieved amazing things um, or, or being an ex-sports person, or whatever, they get on stage and they got the personality of a wet dish towel. Yes. <laughs> and cannot like to string more than three to one word to get, you know, it's horrible. And I, and, I, and I look at this and I've been at functions where I know what the client has paid and I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, you need to be taught how to speak and how to present yourself. Yes, you, you need to be taught. You also need to have that authenticity about yourself. As to, mm. Like this is me. I, I mean, I can't copy Eddie Izzard's style and, and try and come across as him. It's not going to work with no, me. No, because there's only um, one person who can do Death Star Canteen and that's <laughs> Eddie Izzard. De- done. End of story. <laughs> uh, but you develop your style and you develop your style with practice. Yeah. And if you do practice 
and you take on feedback on board from peers who have been there, who've gone through this rodeo, you learn that much quicker. Uh, my career has skyrocketed since joining the association. That's why I'm so passionate about it. I want to give back to the association because my I, the first talk I gave, I was a nervous wreck and I was... Torn to pieces is a hard word because it was done with love. (laughs) But I had a whole bunch of feedback as to what to change. And because I could take that feedback on board, the next time I presented it was better and the next time it was better. And with practice and learning the tricks, and I mean, again, that 90% behind the scenes, if you've seen someone up on stage for 45 minutes, they have practiced that for 45 hours before they've got up on that stage. Yeah, at the very least. I mean, particularly if they are professional. Yes. So you learn all of these techniques and methods and you learn it from the people around you. Fantastic. We are speaking to uh, my special guest tonight, uh, Ross Saunders, President uh, of the uh, Professional Speakers Association of South Africa, also uh, owner of Ross G. Saunders Consulting, and uh, they talk all about data protection, uh, data privacy. We'll be back uh, in just a bit and wrap up with Ross. Appropriate song, because... uh, as we were talking earlier about the, the data protection and data privacy with Russ, uh, you heard the story of him having his identity stolen, which is why it's so close to his heart. Um, everybody is involved. So a couple of people. Uh, what about uh, lawyers and uh, the online shopping facilities? Somebody's mentioned quite a lot of the big online shopping facilities. Now, I'm not going to mention them on air. Um, th- everybody is going to have everybody. to apply or comply with this, this ruling and regulation. Yeah, so, I mean, the interesting thing about it, um, and I, I mean, I'm part of the Association of Privacy Professionals as well, um, yeah. and it's not a case of we're going to comply and we're done. Yeah. Uh, John Giles, who's quite a legend in the space of privacy in South Africa, he, he likens it to gym, where, I mean, when you're first getting fit, it's going to be taking a lot of effort and then you've got to maintain it when you're there you don't just get your six back and decide to leave and hope to keep it well then it turns into a keg like in my case um (laughs) but with with these questions because there's a lot of people that are are, are now concerned about their their privacy and online shopping and i know in south africa it's been it's taken us a while to kind of adopt this online shopping thing because Mm. initially we were very skeptical but now we seem to have jumped in boots and all i mean i've seen some figures that uh, um, people sales figures that people with online uh, businesses have made over this last weekend and today yeah from black friday cyber monday there's silly amounts of money that is being transacted um all of those people have to comply as well yes so I, I think when it comes to your online shopping you have to shop from reputable places if you see some of these ads for a website mm. 954 <laughs> something something <laughs> yeah be a bit skeptical there um, yeah but if it's a reputable store generally because of other legislation out there as well they would have to be complying with that too so yeah. so Generally, a lot of the online stores are really safe. Um, yeah. I'm more afraid of credit card skimming in a in a shop than I am in an online transaction with a reputable place. Yeah, because that's an, that's another thing that 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 could happen there as well. Is this is how they would skim your credit card or get your details? I'm I'm fortunate that that's never happened to me. But I mean, if it ever did happen to me, I, I pity the poor soul because they would be sorely disappointed. <laughs> I am, after all, a radio presenter. (laughs) 
Anyway, so so we were chatting about this. Uh, somebody else has just asked now, tell me more about uh, the Speakers Association. Uh, we're going to find out about joining. Yes, we will. Um, somebody else says, um, I've always wanted to do this. Can anybody be a speaker? Can anybody? Yeah, so I think that's one of the big things. With practice and with a willingness to learn, you can cultivate those skills. Yeah. Um, and we are open to anyone coming and attending our meetings. We've got meetings in KZN, Joburg, Pretoria, Cape Town, and we have a virtual chapter as well for folks that might not be able to get to a physical meeting. Mm-hmm. So Pretoria meets on the last Thursday of the month, Joburg the third Thursday of the month, um, and between Santon and Linwood. Okay. So And those meetings are open to anyone to attend. There's, there's a small guest fee. You get dinner as well. And okay. You can take a look at our website to to get details of the next meetings or Facebook. We have a page and we've got a quite a bustling community that's open to the public on our Facebook group. So now, so okay, so just just to clarify, if I want to come to one of the meetings, um, get hold of you, however the case may be. There we go. There is a fee, but I get dinner. Yes, I'm a fan of dinner. Um, and then at the meetings, what do you guys? So the, the talk about the format changes depending on the on the evening yeah. uh, and the theme changes, but the idea is that it is some sort of topic that comes up that speakers can benefit from. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, we will have two speakers on an evening where we will have two talks for forty five minutes uh, of some sort of topic that can benefit speakers, be it business models or training models or how to do your social media or how to market and it's really really broad mm-hmm. and it'll often be the members that are actually presenting this as well but we may have panel discussions with professional members and um outside people who are really good in a field coming in to talk so. okay but uh, just to get back to something like a toastmasters i mean you say they run parallel but i mean if i've just got an idea of wanting to be a speaker in my head and absolutely zero experience. Yes, coming and having a look at what you guys do is brilliant. Um, maybe joining is good, but but to learn the actual process of speaking is something like a Toastmasters step number one. Yes, I would say so. Um, to- Toastmasters has fantastic programs from the absolute baseline right the way up to, to their distinguished mm. Toastmasters that when you hear them speak, yeah. you know. Because uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I mean, you know, you might have a a brilliant idea, but uh, you know, if if you've done the um, yearly sort of sales uh, retreat function as the sales manager, and you've done like two and a half hour presentations that are death by PowerPoint, it does not make you a speaker. No, but you can still learn from the association. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. Learn because. there's there's nothing worse than and I've seen it a couple of times. Somebody's like, "Hell, oh, mate, I can do that." I slap together a quick couple of slides. <laughs> there I go, and I'm going to talk. What are you going to talk about? Anything that comes up. We actually have a competition specifically for guys that are starting out. Yeah. So the competition's actually it's not open to anyone who's earning a professional yeah. living from speaking. Where people can come in, they give five minute presentations. Yeah. And. It's a knockout competition, but the winner at the end of the day gets coaching, gets to speak on the main stage at our convention. Um, it's quite an achievement. And there's so much learning and so much willingness to help in the association that even for folks that yeah. are really new and have only done death yeah. by PowerPoint, yeah. 
there are people that'll help you. See, with I that. like that. I like that because that's that's a kind of challenging thing. It's like your elevator pitch. Mm. You know, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is my song and dance. Fantastic. Okay, so we're uh, well. We are technically over time, but seeing as the you know, it's okay. Um, Ross, let's start off with uh, with getting hold of you personally in terms of data privacy, data protection. Because um, we had have had a couple of people going, oh, we need to speak to Ross. Where, where do we find you? Uh, two best places would be my website and on LinkedIn. Okay. So website is www.rossgsaunders.com. So Ross, R-O-S-S-G, Saunders, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S dot com. That's the um, yeah, when you do send him a message, just tell him, you know, hey, heard you on the show. Thanks, you know, something like that. So, so he can also track and see see what we're doing there. That's good. People get very shy about that. <laughs> um, and then in terms of uh, the PSA, I'm sure you guys must be winding up for the year. Uh, I think we're going to be looking at sort of next year for meetings and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so the meetings will resume again from January. We've yeah. just had a lot of the last meetings now. Mm-hmm. Um, but to find out more about that, if you go on Facebook and look at the Professional Speakers Association of Southern Africa, You'll be able to find us there as well as our group. And then our website is psasouthernafrica.co.za. Yes, Southern Africa. Not like I always go PSA, SA, because it's Southern Africa, not South Africa. I made that mistake. And actually did did when I was looking at the website before I got to the right one. Um, Russ, thank you so much. If people need to talk to you about the, the, the data privacy and stuff like that, um, people in businesses sort of my size, a little bit bigger. I know you said you... You, you, you generally concentrate on the sort of mid to large kind of companies. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of people and, and this show, a lot of people listen to because they are entrepreneurs with sort of small, medium businesses. Um, can they at least contact you? Absolutely. Because um, this is scary. I mean, it's scary stuff so that's coming. I mean, I, I'm a small business myself. And yeah. one of the things is I have to comply with this too. Yeah. So part of what I've been doing in this space as well is I've got a, a, a product slash solution that I've put together, which is a, a privacy in a box, yeah. which is a, some baseline policies that you need, templates that you need, um, and a little bit of consulting on top of that. But so that it's affordable and you're not paying a legal fee of 350,000 rand or, wh- or whatever like that. Because I've seen people asking silly amounts and then they start mentioning Poppy and GDPR and everything and you automatically go into a panic and you'll fork over your cash when you don't necessarily have to pay that much. Yes, there's a lot of really practical things that you can do. Um, there, there might be some things that you will need an attorney for, but mm-hmm. there's so much that you can do that you can just put in place straight off the bat. Fantastic stuff. Russ, thank you so much. Uh, I've really enjoyed our chat. You've scared the life out of me. I'm going home to go and start going through all sorts of things. Um, But you know what? I think from uh, a privacy perspective, it makes sense. And I'd like to know where my data is and how it's being used. And I'd like to know that it is in safe hands. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to my special guest, Ross Saunders. So check it out. the Professional Speakers Association of Southern Africa. If you'd like to get into the speaking business or just learn a bit more, meet some really cool people. Um, I've met some really cool speakers um, and genuine, genuine people. So just in and of itself, that's great. Otherwise, if you want to find out more, get hold of Ross directly. Um, We did have a second guest for tonight. Unfortunately, they cancelled at the last moment. So uh, 
I didn't have time. You know, this time of the year. To, by the way, next week, uh, next week Monday, the last show for the year. Doesn't mean I won't be on air. I am standing in for Tony Blurt during December while he's away. Um, so that's going to be a whole bunch of fun. But uh, last official show of what's involved uh, taking place next Monday. And then we'll be back with the business show as usual every Monday from January up until next week. Have yourselves a fantastic time. And uh, one more thing before I go. Thanks for listening.